Hi guys, welcome back to Brewing Bright Minds. Uh, I have Miss Dom here with our special guest, Miss Brooke. Hello. In your experience, how have parents responded to you bringing up a concern? Maybe they have never brought something up mm-hmm. and it's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. But how have you... It's hard. I mean, it's hard for the teacher. It's hard for the parent to have this conversation. Hearing something negative about yourself Mm -hmm. as an adult is already hard. But hearing something that's possibly not Mm -hmm. the most positive about their own child, I don't want to say negative because it's not negative, Mm -hmm. um, is hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. More so uncomfortable, I feel. It's just something... No parent ever wants to hear that their child isn't meeting their milestones. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's so important to know. Yeah. So I've had many parents in denial, which is the first step. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to be in denial and that's fine. I think the teacher needs to work with them. And I understand. Let's see. They're new to school. Let's see in two months Mm -hmm. if we see any progression. Mm -hmm. And the teacher needs to document that and Mm -hmm. the parent needs to work Mm -hmm. on it at home. And then in two months we meet again. Mm -hmm. We talk about it again. I've seen no progress. Mm-hmm. They've seen no progress. Okay, well, maybe you need to see an individual, a professional. Maybe mm-hmm. just ask the doctor. Mm-hmm. And there kind of is a negative sti- stigma around children getting assessed, which I think is completely wrong. I've had mm-hmm. so many yeah, people go and get assessed mm-hmm. and then come back, oh, they're great. And then that's just one less yes. thing for a parent to worry about. Right. Um, so I think just keep promoting that to the parent. We're a team. We're working together. If we get early intervention... Often I have had so many kids get early intervention who don't need it by mm-hmm. the age of six mm-hmm. or seven mm-hmm. and completely have phased out from that. So I think mm-hmm. just promoting that. We're a team and we're going to be there together. I've had parents cry to me. Um, I've cried to parents about mm-hmm. rough days that we've had, but letting them know like, it's okay. We're going to get through this together. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's going to be hard. But if we catch it now, Mm-hmm. By fifth grade, we're going to be in a yes. way different place. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, for teachers, not being afraid to communicate and provide little bits and pieces of, I think, because hearing it from, like you're saying, coming out of left field, it's going to be shocking, mm-hmm. right? And so just just for teachers to provide little moments of or little observations like I notice I notice this. Have you seen this at home? And I've noticed this at school just so that it kind of gets their wheels turning and wondering, "Hmm, is this something more that we need to look into?" Um putting it on their radar so that um they are just aware, just being aware mm-hmm. of it so that if it leads to something where they do need services, then it's like, "Okay, well, I'm ready. I'm ready mm-hmm. to pursue this because I know this is what my child needs. I've been watching it and and it only benefits them to have these services so that like you said in the school age years it's as if it, it, as if it never was an issue at mm-hmm. all. I've also in the past I've had um there's one specific family that I always think of um that when I was a preschool teacher I had their child and I frequent frequently told them that, you know, your child is not meeting this certain milestone. I, I thoroughly believe that you should get them assessed mm-hmm. for um, autism. And they were completely in denial and they were very upset with me, but mm-hmm. I didn't let it affect me. And a couple months went by and I'd say it again. And a couple mm-hmm. months went by and I'd say it again. And they never did it. And, th- you know, that was okay. I was doing mm-hmm. my part. And they went on to pre-K, TK, and their teachers even said it and they never did. 
And then I believe when the child was in second grade, they actually ended up calling the school and telling, saying like, hey, I just want to let you know that we got her assessed and she is on the spectrum and I want to apologize for never, Mm -hmm. you know, taking you seriously. Mm -hmm. And it was very, it was very like heartwarming to know that, you know, like you're saying, you can be in denial and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But just kind of having that trust with your child's teacher Mm -hmm. that they're seeing things firsthand and they study this field. So they know what is developmentally appropriate and what is not. And Mm -hmm. and a parent might not know that. And so just having that relationship with the teacher and asking questions, it's not, you should absolutely be asking, why do you think that? What have you observed so that you guys can be on the same page, Mm -hmm. a parent and a teacher? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But no one teaches teachers how to have these different conversations. Mm -hmm. It's all Mm -hmm. based on that. I think is so wrong because then you could have a teacher who walks in and just walks up to a parent and says it Mm -hmm. blank with no observation, no background, Mm -hmm. no Mm -hmm. knowledge about it. And they could be completely wrong. They are not a doctor. Yeah. I am not a doctor, right? Like I can't tell you this Mm -hmm. is what it is. Mm -hmm. I can think things, you know, Mm -hmm. I can observe things. I can suggest you to go see a doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think there needs to be classes about that. I think special education in general Mm -hmm. needs to be taught more in colleges and Mm -hmm. in high school. Yeah, because special education is a specialty degree that teachers choose to Mm -hmm obtain um but it's not required for Mm -hmm. most early childhood and elementary you may have depending on your college you may have one course that is required for special education but it really just teaches you how to Mm -hmm. teach children with special needs or advice on you know teaching them but it's it's not a requirement usually yeah and so i think it's really important to note that even if you're education and EC is not really, you know, providing all the insight and science to be aware of in terms of special education. It's, it's, it's kind of on you to be like, I need to kind of dig a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. on this. And that comes with hands-on experience. Mm -hmm. It comes with meeting different kids with different needs and practicing. And then once you feel like, you know, just as parents have inklings, teachers have inklings, like, Mm -hmm. Trust your gut. And if you feel like something is a little off, then do a little bit more digging and collect that data so that you can give parents an informed, you know, an informed decision or an informed, you know, observation. Um, Because again, there's that trust, right? And so it's our job. It's our job to inform the parents of these so that the parents can decide what to do with that information. You are not supposed to decide, but the parents should. Yeah, absolutely. And so... And that's where it goes back to professional development. I've spent hours on the internet at Mm -hmm. night. Like, Mm -hmm. I have a child. I see this. I am concerned. What is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This looks different. Every child looks different. Mm-hmm. So what? how can I help them? Um, I am a big believer in having children with special needs in gen ed classrooms. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. learn amazing mm-hmm. from other kids. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you just need to make sure your teacher is mm-hmm. trained enough yes. to be able to help them um, and work with a team with the parent. Mm-hmm. It has to be collaborative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think on the other end, if we are sharing this information with parents, I think the stigma and and the shock of it and the denial of it may be due to parents feeling like it's some form of a reflection on them. And it is not. It's not yeah. it's not a reflection on them. It's just that your child has this set of needs 
mm-hmm. and we need to figure out a way at school, at home, with the whatever supplemental services to meet those needs. Yeah, and um, there's lots of different studies that show that a lot of developmental delays, we don't know the cause of them. Mm-hmm. Um, autism, for example, there is no known cause to autism. Mm-hmm. There is speculations, but there's no scientific evidence mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the cause of it. Um, there could be, you know, other things, but, you know, you know, genetics and uh, pregnancy and things, mm-hmm. environmental factors, like mm-hmm. everything plays a role in it. But it's not it's not a reflection on mm-hmm. the parent of the family. You can do everything. Yep. Quote unquote, right mm-hmm. with your child in the first 12 months of their life. But then when they turn two years old, you're noticing that they're not mm-hmm. talking. You know, it's not anything having to do. You can read to your child every single night, yeah. multiple books, yeah. and they can still have a speech delay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's nothing, mm-hmm. it's no reflection of you or the teacher, for that matter, if they're in school. It's not a reflection on the family or the class or the teacher mm-hmm. at all. It simply comes down to the individual child themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there's no known best treatment. Yeah. yeah. Every child is different. Every yeah. treatment looks different. Mm-hmm. Every plan looks different. So yeah. just making sure that they have all the help that they yeah. can get yes. to best succeed. That's all we want. Yeah. That's and all a parent wants. What kind of types of early intervention services are out there for different obstacles? Yeah, there's so many, probably more than I can name right now, but occupational therapy, physical therapy, ABA um, for children on the spectrum, um, speech therapy, speech therapy. Yeah, of course. Most common one right there, speech therapy. There's so many that are out there. Play Mm -hmm. therapy. Yep. Mm -hmm. There are more coming out Mm -hmm. um, every single day too that researchers are working on to best help children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. Have you noticed a difference in students who have received um, early intervention than those who haven't? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've seen huge improvements. But it's also, it's not not a sprint. It's a marathon. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's not they're going to go to one speech therapy and the next day they're talking. Mm -hmm. We have to be very, very proactive. And everyone needs to be on board. And it needs to be consistent. Consistency is number one. It Mm -hmm. is key. Um, so I think just making sure that that is happening and then that's where you'll see the improvements. I've seen a lot of kids who have done early intervention and not needed it in the future, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Huge success. I think that's also, it's interesting that you said that not every intervention works for every child. Um, I know like in my experience, children who have had speech delays, they've gone to one speech pathologist didn't show much improvement, mm-hmm. went to another, didn't show much improvement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Parents mm-hmm. are getting frustrated and defeated. And then they go to like the third one and now they're flourishing. Mm-hmm. And that's the same with like even, you know, schools. Yeah. You can you can put your child into one facility and it, it might not be the right fit. So you move them to another. It might not be the right fit. You move them to another and it's perfect, you know? And not It's not one size fits all. Yeah, Especially absolutely. in early intervention. It's also based off the person, the therapist. Oh, yes. And the child and how they... React. Mesh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also inviting the therapist to school. I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of that yeah. too. See Absolutely. how they're interacting with other children. Yeah. And speech often takes off after going to school and learning from other mm-hmm. kids. 
they have to use their words to communicate what, what they want. So mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a huge one because we have families that do it in home and do it at school. And so we love to encourage for the speech therapist to come in the classroom because those are the opportunities where it's constant. Mm-hmm. There's constant opportunity for mm-hmm. uh, promotion of speech as opposed to at home. Of course, there's not as much stimulation. And so you want to place them in the setting where that coaching takes place, you know, moment to moment as they need to apply it. And so that's something for parents to consider when you are looking for Mm -hmm. speech. And this is a whole nother topic that we'll dig deep on, but finding the resources that meets your needs, shopping around, Mm -hmm. not just going with the first, just as you shop around for schools, shopping around for the services that Mm -hmm. uh, chemistry wise, dynamic wise fits your child's needs. And also, you know, providing the most efficient opportunities Mm -hmm for the promotion of those skills that you're trying to develop. And not just speech therapists too. Um, I've had in my classrooms, I've had occupational therapists come Mm -hmm. for infant toddler. Mm -hmm. I've had ABAs come for children with challenging behaviors. Mm -hmm. You know, speech therapists have come there. Most early interventionalists are open to coming Mm -hmm. to the school. Mm -hmm. Some like to be in their own space, in their own office facility, Mm -hmm. and the child goes there, and that's great. And then there's others that will come onto the campus and travel to different schools around the area, which, like you were saying, Jamie, I think is more important, in my opinion, just because you're seeing Mm -hmm. them in in their environment that they're comfortable with and with other children and their teachers. And the early intervention can get insight from the teacher. Whereas if... If you're just picking your child up and taking them to Mm -hmm. um, an office space with, you know, the speech therapist or the art therapist or, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, they might not show the same things as they would in their classroom. And also for the working parent at 530, their child is done talking. They've been talking at school all day. Yep. Yep. And it allows for them, the speech therapist, to see something different Mm -hmm. them actually engaged Mm -hmm. and not tired or throwing a fit they have to be there yes if the professionals are able to come to the classroom you think oh maybe it's disruptive maybe it's impeding on you know the plan of the classroom but in our experience we haven't seen that Uh, yeah I feel like that's almost the opposite yeah because I have seen um you know, like speech therapists, they've come onto campus and they're working one-on-one with the student. And then the other kids in the class mm-hmm. come over to see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then they're listening to the story or mm-hmm. they're listening to the to the lesson that the speech therapist is giving. And then it just benefits everybody. Yes. So absolutely. I've actually noticed the opposite to that. Yes. I've noticed firsthand that it's beneficial to everyone. Yes. And, and even for the teachers. Yeah. yeah. That's what oh, I was going to say. Huge. The teachers. I mean, I've learned a lot from the speech therapist yeah. that come or the ABA therapist. Mm-hmm. And I've asked questions like, so why do you do that? Or this is how I do it. And I've had this kid for three years. Mm-hmm. So how about we try that approach? You know, mm-hmm. cause you're just walking in day mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. and they're not going to, they're not going to take That's really that. important. Yeah. yeah. So we got to work together and it takes a whole team. It takes a village yep. to raise a kid. Oh yeah. Yep. So we need everyone on board to yeah. help. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's great to have them all working together in one location, communicating all at once for this one child, but also observing, wow, look at this environment that is set up for this one child in particular. Is it conducive? They haven't, they may have input as to how to adjust the mm-hmm. classroom yeah. or or how to adjust the program and the schedule that can benefit 
all the kids. That's it, what we've experienced. It's so special to have those connections too, because I remember being a preschool teacher and I don't even remember the ABA therapist name or what she looks like, but I remember what she taught me mm-hmm. when I asked questions mm-hmm. about like, you're saying, why do you do this? Why do you say this? Why do you do it this way? Mm-hmm. And it's so important to have those firsthand experiences because had I had not, had she had never come into my classroom, I would have never known to try a different approach with mm-hmm. a child that is, you know, a certain way. Mm-hmm. It's so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. I mean, I became friends with an ABA yeah. therapist that mm-hmm. came in my classroom because mm-hmm. we spent, she was there as many hours as I was yeah. with the child. And they, she, I saw what incredible work she had. She saw what I had to offer. Mm-hmm. I saw what she had to offer. And we worked together Amazing. to make an incredible team for this child. Yeah. Um, that no longer needs services, yeah. you know, just the small wins. Yeah. Yeah. That happen when yeah. everyone has the same goal in mind. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Which is benefiting the child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Miss Brooke, for joining us today. Uh, your insight has been so amazing to have. And I think it's so helpful for all yeah. of our families to also learn. Uh, we hope to see you again sometime soon. Thanks so much for having me and letting me share some of my biggest passions. I appreciate it. And I hope everyone learned something today. Thanks, Brooke.